Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And because all we cover now in Virtual Legality is lawsuits, we've got another one for you. As major social media, video, website, application, tool, TikTok has decided to fight against the executive orders, or at least one of them, against it by suing the Trump administration, which they filed, I believe, only a couple of days ago. So without further ado, let's just dive into that document, talk about what's going on here, and we will catch you up on the background if you haven't been following the TikTok executive order saga from last month in this space as we go along. So here you see a United States District Court, Central District of California lawsuit filed by TikTok Inc. and its parent company, ByteDance Limited, against Donald Trump and the Secretary of Commerce. And they say the following. This action seeks to prevent the government from impermissibly banning TikTok, a mobile software application that 100 million Americans use to create and share short videos composed of expressive content. On August 6th, 2020, President Trump issued an executive order banning this communication and information sharing platform without affording its owners, plaintiffs TikTok Inc. and ByteDance Limited, due process of law and for political reasons, rather than because of an unusual and extraordinary threat to the United States, which is a condition for the president to exercise his authority under the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, or IEPA, I-E-E-P-A. And they say that IEEPA vests the president with significant power to prohibit certain transactions to protect U.S. national security. So that is the introduction to all of this. And in order to kind of get a better background, we have to dive into the executive orders and documents themselves. We have talked about this in the past in virtual legality, but now that a lawsuit is on the books, we can take a look at it from a new perspective. So on August 6th, just a couple of weeks ago, President Trump issued this executive order on addressing the threat posed by TikTok says, I, Donald Trump, president of the United States, find that additional steps must be taken to deal with the national emergency with respect to the information and communications technology and services supply chain declared back in May of 2019, which will be important and which we will look at, specifically the spread in the United States of mobile applications developed and owned by companies in the People's Republic of China that continues to threaten the national security, foreign policy, and economy of the United States. At this time, action must be taken to address the threat posed by one mobile application in particular. Note that that specific mobile application is named in this order as part of the findings. That's going to be important for the lawsuit as we take a look. They describe what TikTok is. They also say TikTok automatically captures vast swaths of information from its users. This data collection threatens to allow the Chinese Communist Party access to Americans' personal and proprietary information potentially allowing China to track the locations of federal employees and contractors, build dossiers of personal information for blackmail, and generally conduct corporate espionage. TikTok also reportedly censors content that the Chinese Communist Party deems politically sensitive and may also be used for disinformation campaigns. Those two claims will also come up as part of the lawsuit. Now, what this actual executive order does was the following. It says the following actions shall be prohibited. Any transaction by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States with ByteDance Limited, i.e. the parent company of TikTok. This is going up the ladder, not just for TikTok, but everything that ByteDance does. Now, it does say here in blue, as you will see, the prohibition of this section applies except to the extent provided by statutes, which I do think will short circuit at least some of the complaints that TikTok makes in their lawsuit as well. So that's the background. They banned all transactions without kind of giving additional definition to that with ByteDance Limited, the parent company of TikTok. And what authority is given to the president to do that? Well, you go and you look at this law and it says, at the times and to the extent specified in this title, and we're going to look at that as well, the president may, under such regulations as he may prescribe, regulate, prevent, or prohibit transactions involving any property in which any foreign country or a national thereof has any interest by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. Within the United States jurisdiction, the president can do any of this stuff if we follow section 1701 of the title, which says that the authority granted under what we just read may be exercised to deal with any unusual and extraordinary threat 
which has as its source in whole or substantial part outside the United States to the national security, foreign policy, or economy of the United States if the president declares a national emergency with respect to such threat. So if the president declares that national emergency, then the president can exercise the powers that we just read about. Now, there are at least ostensible limits on that authority. In B here, we see that the authorities granted to the president may only be exercised to deal with an unusual and extraordinary threat with respect to which a national emergency has been declared, as we just said, and any exercise of such authorities to deal with any new threat shall be based on a new declaration of national emergency, which must be made with respect to such threat. So that could have been a possible line of argumentation that TikTok could have had that says, hey, you issued an executive order back in May of 2019. You're now dragging TikTok into that executive order. Maybe you should have had a new one, which of course isn't a large barrier to a president that just wants to sign a new executive order, but it is some kind of barrier, but they didn't bring that actual claim up. So we are left with, if the president declares a national emergency that talks about threats to national security that arise out of an unusual and extraordinary place from a foreign source, then the president has all this authority to do things like he says he does from the threat posed by TikTok. We turn back to that actual May document from 2019, and we see the overall ambit of the declaration here, where it says, I, Donald Trump, president of the United States, find that foreign adversaries are increasingly creating and exploiting vulnerabilities in information and communication technology services. I further find that the unrestricted acquisition or use of the United States of information and communications technology or services designed, developed, manufactured, or supplied by persons owned by, controlled by, or subject to the jurisdiction or direction of foreign adversaries augments the ability of foreign adversaries to create and exploit vulnerabilities in information and communications technology or services, and thereby constitutes an unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security, foreign policy, and economy of the United States. You see, the White House, just like every other part of the legislature or government, has lawyers. They can look at the statute as what's required, and they can make sure this orange language is part of a declaration of national emergency. In light of these findings, I hereby find and declare a national emergency with respect to this threat. The following actions are prohibited. Any information and communications technology or service where the transaction was initiated is pending or will be completed after the date of this order and where the Secretary of Commerce has determined that bad things can happen from that technology. Note also the orange here is what we're going to talk about as part of this lawsuit because this actually happens all after this order was made, but with respect to a transaction in the purchase of TikTok by uh, the parent company before this went into effect. So you could have that argument as well. That wasn't really brought up in the TikTok lawsuit either. But that's the background. That's what we are looking at right now. And so we go back to what they're talking about. They say, yes, the president has all of this power under those laws. We acknowledge that. But we also have some complaints. The executive order seeks to ban TikTok purportedly because of the speculative possibility that the application could be manipulated by the Chinese government. But as the U.S. government is well aware, Plaintiffs have taken extraordinary measures to protect the privacy and security of TikTok's U.S. user data. Now, they'll have large sections of this lawsuit devoted to what security features and structural features and encryption keys and things of that nature they are using to protect U.S. data. One of the problems with this kind of line of thought from them is this notion that the U.S. government can't just simply decide that that isn't enough. And if you haven't been in virtual legality before, I want to give the disclaimer, the kind of background to my own personal thought tilt. I want you to be able to evaluate my own biases as well as anybody else's here that I think the executive order regime that kind of governs everything on this kind of topic and as well as a lot of other topics in 2020 is somewhat ridiculous that the way that the U.S. government was designed was to have legislatures passing laws, to have elected officials talking about those laws, having political costs to enacting those laws. And what has happened, especially in 2020, is that executive orders at the governor and the presidential level have kind of taken over. And I look at this and say, I am sympathetic to TikTok's position here. They're going to take a number of positions that I am sympathetic towards that essentially Congress has given the president too much power and that no one man should have all that power, as some might say. And so I am, I am sympathetic to that argument. Here in 2020, I don't think that argument's going to play out very well, especially with what we're seeing from the Supreme Court and the various state courts, which we will also talk about when we get there. But at the end of the day, the court is going to be very reluctant here in 2020 and really for any period of time before now to interpose its own judgment on a kind of judgment basis 
for that of the president when the president has given been given broad authority by Congress to make these determinations on his own. So when Congress has a bit of law that says when you find these things and you declare a national emergency, the court, it's not impossible, but the court is going to be very reluctant to say the president is lying. And so we are going to impose our findings of facts on the president and say the president doesn't have the authority that Congress has otherwise vested in him. It isn't impossible. I can point to a couple of cases already in the Trump administration where the Supreme Court has effectively said, yes, the president has this power, but didn't effectively evidence the right thinking enough in order to use that power. So it isn't impossible. And I think TikTok's actually after something a little bit different than winning this lawsuit. And we'll talk about that as part of this video as well. Ignoring these demonstrable facts and commitments, President Trump's executive order authorizes the Secretary of Commerce to prohibit any transaction with ByteDance and its subsidiaries, including banning TikTok from operating in the United States. Now, it doesn't exactly do that, as we just saw. It talks about transactions and then says it doesn't extend past where the statute would allow it. The executive order and necessarily any implementing regulations are unlawful and unconstitutional for a number of independent reasons. They give us bullet points. You don't see bullet points every day when you're looking at a lawsuit like this. Number one, by banning TikTok with no notice or opportunity to be heard, the executive order violates the due process protections of the Fifth Amendment. Now, I'll take a step back here. One of the things that we will see as well in the background materials here is that TikTok had a lot of notice and opportunity to be heard, especially with respect to a CFIUS investigation, which will also be a part of this discussion. And they don't really tie the wires properly to say, well, that investigation didn't count as notice and due process for this other order, where by all reckoning, when you look at what they actually describe, that they've been in constant communication with the U.S. government, that they've exchanged all this documentation, et cetera, et cetera, it does sound like due process of some sort was given to them. Due process is always going to be a kind of open, ambiguous question. Different courts will have different opinions as to whether due process was followed, especially when we are talking about questions like this one, where you're talking about internationally owned companies that receive due process. Yes, but it's not the same as you or I being held by the police or something along those lines. It is a little bit more ambiguous gray area field of law. The next bullet. The order is ultra vires. You will see that referenced a lot. All that means from a legal perspective is that they lacked the authority to do it outside of their power. The order is ultra vires because it is not based on a bona fide national emergency. Trump is lying. He did this for his political campaign. He doesn't even mean it. And so court, we ask you to overturn all of this because you know better. And that's always going to be a problem. The court's always going to be reluctant to look at the executive and say, yep, I can say that you are lying. We know better. We're going to do something else. The order is ultra vires because its prohibitions sweep broadly to prohibit any transactions with ByteDance, although the purported threat justifying the order is limited to TikTok. Now, I actually really like this argument. I think this is probably the one that I like the best out of what they bring, which is all of the findings in that executive order only talk about TikTok. We saw the language that talked only about TikTok. And nevertheless, the order says no transactions with ByteDance when ByteDance apparently has other products that I wasn't familiar with before I read this lawsuit. But it does seem like a stretch to apply this particular restriction, at least on the findings set forth in the executive order, to all of ByteDance's businesses. Then they say the order is ultra vires because it restricts personal communications and the transmission of informational materials in direct violation of the statute. I think that's a loser for exactly the reasons that I think you already probably flagged when I highlighted them, but that... This language here that says the prohibition doesn't apply if the statute doesn't allow it is pretty much the savings clause there. If you've followed virtual legality at all, if we've gone over any contracts, you remember there's a bit of language in almost every contract that says whatever we just said is valid and is, is functional to the extent allowed by applicable law. You always have a little provision in there that says, look, court, if something here isn't right, it's valid to the full extent that you are allowed to have it be valid and then not further. We're not trying to break the law. And so I do think they're covered. I do think the White House executive order is written properly for avoiding this bullet in particular. Then you have the statute itself is out of order. So courtroom is out of order and violates the non-delegation doctrine as the president's overbroad and unjustified claim of authority in this matter confirms. So assuming that all of this were right court and you just can't interpose your own judgment on the president, the president should never have been given this authority by Congress. And so this statute that has been in effect for a long, long time should be overturned in its entirety. 
Now, as you can probably guess, if you haven't followed any of these lawsuits to any great extent, one of the things that you learn in law school or just in general from watching these news items is that the bigger your argument, the whole statute has to go, the harder it is, the less likely it is for you to win. If you want to say, okay, in this particular instance, the president is lying, you've got a better chance than the entire statute is out of order. It's not impossible. Statutes get overturned, but that is a lot more unlikely than some of the other stuff that they are asking for. They also say, by demanding the plaintiffs make a payment to the U.S. Treasury as a condition for the sale of TikTok, the president has taken plaintiff's property without compensation in violation of the Fifth Amendment. This bullet strikes me as, I don't know, early. Uh, so they're going to talk about the fact that the president has made some, in my opinion, fairly silly comments about what should happen with the money that would come out of a transaction related to TikTok, how it should pay for the U.S. Treasury, and that that represents a taking. The Constitution says the government can't take something from you without paying you for it. It hasn't happened yet. Um, so I think the court would be likely to say, okay, that's bluster. You can also read it if you are so inclined, if you're uh, you know, pro-Trump on these kinds of topics to say, well, when he says they pay the U.S. Treasury, I mean that a company is going to have to buy it that's going to be successful with the asset so that we get tax money into the Treasury. I mean, you can always defend these kinds of things if you are so inclined to do so, as those of you that come into this space know, that's what lawyers do, right? We go and we find the language and, and we'll look at what Trump said. And there are ways to argue that it's acceptable, even though I find it rather silly. And then finally, they say, by preventing TikTok from operating in the United States, the executive order violates TikTok's First Amendment rights in the code, an expressive means of communication. I don't think that's likely to fly at all uh, insofar as code, yes, has an expressive component, but in and of itself is an operative functional thing. And if you aren't aimed specifically at the content of the code, you don't really have an argument. Otherwise, the entire law breaks down. You wouldn't be able to prohibit anything. You wouldn't be able to prohibit anybody operating anywhere if everybody has a First Amendment right in the function of their computer systems, that you couldn't prevent any foreign bank from doing anything. None of these statutes would work, and we'd have to really think about what other statutes couldn't possibly work if computer code suddenly becomes expressive language. So I think that's a loser. I think, uh, as you can tell, a number of these are losers. We're going to actually talk about the substance of these claims a little bit more fulsomely, but there are a couple things that I think are pretty good and that could potentially be winners. And more importantly, they might be enough to get them past kind of dismissal, get them some kind of injunctive relief, a temporary restraining order, something along those lines, which appears to be their goal. Because one of the things to note here, and we will talk about the other order related to TikTok in just a minute, is that they aren't actually objecting to the order from the White House to mandate that they dispose of the assets of TikTok to a U.S.-based company. That they are going to sell TikTok by all looks here. What they want to have is not have this ban in the shadow of that transaction so that they don't have to worry about whether people can have leases for their office space or whether they can have their bank accounts, whether they can pay their contractors, whatever it might be to actually function leading up to the sale of the company. They need to have that functionality to make sure that they can get a good sales price and that they can just exit. They appear to be willing to be out and just say, you know what, we're not interested in doing this anymore, but they want to make sure that the purchase price isn't negatively affected by having this hanging over their heads. That's my best guess as to what's going on here. Then we get a little background of the parties. Plaintiff TikTok is a company incorporated in California. Plaintiff ByteDance Limited is a global company incorporated in the Cayman Islands with offices in the United States, China, Singapore, the United Kingdom, and India, among others. And they own and operate a variety of mobile software applications that enable people around the world to connect with, consume, and create entertainment content. ByteDance also owns and operates other applications that are available in the United States, such as CapCut, a video editing application, and Lark, a collaboration and communications software product. And I think, as I said earlier, that might be their best argument that the actual executive order is a little bit overbroad. And if they can get it stayed for just a short period of time to get them across the finish line for what would be a divestiture of the TikTok company, I think that might be their goal here. So first we get the factual allegations. TikTok's global success has resulted from entrepreneurial innovation. This is what we did. We built a big company. It should be lauded, court. TikTok is an inclusive communication platform for making and sharing short-form videos through the TikTok mobile application. Also worth noting, no foreign government or person controlled by or acting on behalf of a foreign government owns any significant interest or any other affirmative or negative rights or powers in ByteDance. Now, that's going to be an open argument. I know some of you are going to be uh, more concerned about Chinese involvement in companies like this. Some of you are going to be less concerned. I, I think the point of this particular disclosure is to tell the court that there's nothing official. 
There's nothing official from China that China owns any part or portion of this. The actual connection is with this particular individual named Yiming Zhang, and they want to say that China isn't directly involved. But again, the issue that you wind up having is that the president has declared a national emergency on these things, finds that connection, has the backing at least to find that connection as so far as the executive order goes, and the court is going to be relatively unwilling to say that those findings of fact are untrue. Continuing on, they say TikTok is also used by its users to discuss more serious subjects, including political issues. And then one thing they want to make sure they tie this to is some issues with presidential rallies, really before all of this started happening in 2020. TikTok users claimed they used TikTok to coordinate mass ticket reservations for the president's re-election campaign rally in Tulsa, which inflated projected attendance in the days leading up to the event. I think a lot of you probably heard that news story when the attendance wasn't what everybody expected and there were pictures of a poorly attended rally. And TikTok and TikTok users wound up taking credit for that. TikTok, the company, wants to put that at the feet of the president and say, look, you are doing all of this because TikTok embarrassed you. This is a political statement. It's not a real national emergency. And I can't say that they don't necessarily have a point with the motivation there, but the tricky part is always going to be telling the court to put their own judgment in place of the executive through congressional authority. Then we see that TikTok has said they have implemented safeguards to help protect the privacy and security of U.S. user data. TikTok has been structured to help protect the privacy and security of that data. You see paragraph after paragraph about algorithms and encryption keys and safety protocols, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for pages. And then again, another reaffirmation, there's no connection between TikTok and the Chinese government. Again, the issue with this background material is that the U.S. government can say that's nice. It's not sufficient for our standards. And based on everything you can see in the statutes as they stand right now, TikTok doesn't have any way to fight against that. They, the statute has granted the U.S. government and the president specifically the authority to say, we find this to be a national security risk. We aren't happy with your structure. And then, yes, I think uh, on a more reasonable basis than just a straight up ban of transactions, you would work with the company and say, okay, we want you to fix this. We want you to restructure this and we want you to do X, Y, and Z. And I think that's probably a better way to go about things, but I wasn't elected president of the United States. Uh, And I think that's one thing that's important when we talk about these executive orders and this authority is that one of the things you'll also see from TikTok is that independent security experts have said this isn't the way you handle things. And these individuals have said this isn't the way you handle things. And they weren't elected president of the United States. And you don't have to like the president of the United States. Uh, you don't, you, you can like the president of the United States. It doesn't really matter for this purpose. Those individuals that have different opinions on those kinds of things don't have the vested authority of the U.S. government to do these kinds of things. This is one of the reasons, to take a little bit of a sidebar here, that I'm generally against the delegation that you see in these kinds of statutes. I do think that more people should have more thoughts and more ability to actually converse about these things, to debate them on the floor of the House or wherever, and to actually go and have the political cost or gain associated with whatever action they want to take in a way that executive orders simply don't. But as currently structured, both at the state and federal level, Congresses at both of those levels have given authority to the executive to do certain things. And really, the executive has an almost total authority to do those things if they otherwise meet the conditions set forth in the statute. And those statutes have generally been upheld, right? You know, I'm here in Michigan. This is the kind of headline that we get all the time right now. The governor's having all these actions taken with respect to the pandemic. I think that there are a lot of the actions that have basically no scientific basis for being implemented, have no connectivity to the pandemic at all, are just being implemented because the governor wants to assert authority under the declaration of emergency power that she most certainly has. They're being challenged all over the place. And with rare exception, all of them are being upheld. This is the world that we live in right now. And I don't necessarily like it. In fact, I know I don't like it. And I would rather have the legislatures dealing with all of these issues, Republican or Democrat. But The executives do have this authority from Congresses from way back when. Our governor here in Michigan is exerting authority from a congressional act signed in 1945 with respect to emergencies that really arose out of the Second World War, but is using that power nonetheless and is basically being upheld in the use of that power, at least so far. This will be appealed to the Supreme Court here in Michigan, and we'll see where it goes. But this is the lay of the land right now, and so it's going to be very difficult for the TikToks of the world to fight in general against executive order authority 
in the United States. The Supreme Court and Chief Justice Roberts and various opinions that I've talked about in this space have basically said that that executive authority was given by Congress. And who are we as the court to interpose our own judgment on these very kinds of questions? So TikTok's got an uphill battle. Continuing, they say plaintiffs proactively engaged with the U.S. government and sought to address any conceivable national security concerns. As the foregoing reflects, as TikTok has grown, it has continued to refine and strengthen its data privacy protections and has done so voluntarily, reflecting its ongoing commitment to U.S. users. As part of these efforts, plaintiffs have also sought proactively to engage with the U.S. government to anticipate and address any concerns it might have. These efforts have included responding separately and diligently to inquiries from CFIUS, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. Now, What's important about this particular disclosure, TikTok is trying to establish that they have done what they could to assuage the government's fears. The issue with this entire argument is that it cuts directly against their claim that they haven't received proper notice and due process of law. Not every company has a direct line to talk to the government on these kinds of things. And TikTok is obviously popular enough, is big enough to talk through these issues with CFIUS and various other components of the executive branch and the US government in general. And so it starts to look like they received most notional concepts of due process. Now, could a court disagree with that kind of concept? Or could they put in a restraining order or a preliminary injunction while they determine whether they feel that due process was met? Absolutely. I really do think that that's TikTok's goal is to just get that injunction and get across the finish line for the sale of their company because CFIUS was the ones responsible for actually putting out the evidence that the president then used a week later after August 6th to require TikTok to be divested. This was an order regarding the acquisition of Musical.ly by ByteDance Limited. TikTok used to be called Musical.ly. It says, by the authority granted to me as president, etc., etc., there is credible evidence that leads me to believe that ByteDance, an exempted company with limited liability incorporated in Cayman Islands, through acquiring all interests in Musical.ly, an exempted company with limited liability, also incorporated in the Cayman Islands, might take action that threatens to impair the national security of the United States. I hereby order that the transaction resulting in the acquisition of ByteDance by ByteDance of Musical.ly to the extent that Musical.ly or any of its assets is used in furtherance or support of or relating to Musical.ly's activities in the United States, what we have jurisdiction over, is hereby prohibited. And because that happened years ago, we will give you a certain amount of time to divest yourselves of those assets. And this particular order is not being challenged. And we'll actually see a bit of language here in this lawsuit that says, we aren't challenging that at all. TikTok continues, in 2019, CFIUS contacted ByteDance to consider whether to review its acquisition of Musical.ly, a China-based video sharing platform, even though Musical.ly was based in China and had very limited assets in the United States. This review was highly unusual, and I agree here, in that ByteDance had acquired the company Two years earlier in 2017, it is rare for the U.S. government to go back and say, okay, that transaction that happened two years ago, let's take another look at that. Musical.ly was previously Chinese-owned and based in China, and ByteDance had predominantly abandoned Musical.ly's limited U.S. assets by the time of CFIUS's outreach in 2019. Nevertheless, in March 2020, after months of evaluating its jurisdiction, CFIUS advised ByteDance that it intended to conduct a formal review of the acquisition. And on June 15th, 2020, CFIUS initiated that review. This lengthy deliberation by a U.S. government institution comprised of national security professionals simply underscores that, in fact, there was no national emergency in relation to TikTok or ByteDance's acquisition of Musical.ly. Now, this is a kind of bless your heart kind of statement from from my part here. This is designed to say the government acting slowly meant there was no national emergency. And having worked with government agencies throughout my entire career uh, and, and knowing the good people working there, as I do, that just simply isn't true. If there was a flat out national emergency, it might still take them a year to look and think and consider and put in subcommittees and then finally issue a review. So this statement actually, to me, once again, cuts against their due process com- uh, comment because, look, They actually went through a year of talking. They got notice that the things were being initiated. They got all of the due process that you would expect. And the fact that they moved slowly doesn't actually suggest that there wasn't a national emergency or that it was illegitimate, just that the U.S. government moves pretty darn slowly. Sivius nevertheless initiated a review of the Musical.ly acquisition. Among other evidence, ByteDance submitted detailed documentation to Sivius demonstrating TikTok's security measures to help ensure U.S. user data, as we talked about above. 
At 11.55 p.m. on July 30th, 2020, the final day of the statutory CFIUS review period, the community, the committee issued a letter stating that CFIUS has identified national security risks arising from the transaction and that it has not identified mitigation measures that would address those risks. Then they say the letter was based on outdated news articles, failed to address everything that we turned into them, and was basically a bad government action. And that is within their rights to say, I know that if I were running TikTok, I would feel exactly the same way. But then we start to try to argue the legal points and it's not as strong. I do think it's interesting that they filed this from Cifia's side uh, at 1155 on the last day, if this is an accurate description of what happened, because it does suggest a certain amount of nefariousness or at least wishy-washiness at the committee level itself. They didn't necessarily want to file this thing at all. Then you get into their arguments about being banned without due process of law, just kind of a little backing here. They mostly say that AIPA has been used for things that are really, really bad, weapons manufacture and things along those lines, uh, and that the executive order itself doesn't actually identify problems with TikTok, TikTok, only says that they might happen, and that's a problem because it's equivocal language. The executive order provides absolutely no evidence for any of its self-described findings, it's not really what executive orders do. So yeah, take it up with Congress for giving the executive this authority. And then the order uses such equivocal language because in, uh, in fact, TikTok does none of these things. So they're arguing the findings of fact, but again, their problem is the court is gonna be unlikely to relitigate or to even go into a discovery period to find those facts out for themselves. The executive basically has the broad uh, discretion to find those facts for him or herself. That previous executive order was designed to address asserted U.S. national security concerns about Chinese telecommunications companies. It found everything that we talked about. We don't think that TikTok is a telecommunications company. The executive order thus goes far beyond merely banning TikTok and instead prohibits any transactions involving its parent company, ByteDance. The executive order imposes this sweeping restriction, even though TikTok is just one of ByteDance's several businesses. And the order itself poses an existential threat to TikTok's business. Meanwhile, the president has said some stuff. They quote the president's August 3rd speech, which is before the August 6th order, the first order here on TikTok. A very substantial portion of the purchase price is going to have to come into the treasury of the United States because we're making it possible for this deal to happen. Right now, they don't have any rights unless we give it to them. So if we're going to give them the rights, it has to come into the country. Right. So all that's basically wrong. Uh, the U.S. Treasury doesn't really have the capability or authority to take money out of the purchase side of these kinds of transactions. Obviously, the U.S. government can can do a whole sorts of things that are illegal, uh, but the president isn't really stating any kind of legal background here. And I think it's all rather silly. And I think TikTok makes a good point. And I think if TikTok had made this lawsuit just a little bit more clear, they could have argued that language like this is hurting their ability to divest which in turn is hurting its ability to comply with the executive orders that they have otherwise been issued. And I think that's a better argument than simply saying that by saying these things, which I fully admit are silly, that the president and the executive branch has issued a takings on what they say. Or as they say in paragraph 63, the president ignored the mitigation efforts by TikTok Inc. and ByteDance and imposed a strict timeline for the company to do something it has already offered to do. The CFIUS order mandates that within 90 days, ByteDance, its subsidiaries, affiliates, and Chinese shareholders must divest all interests and rights in the property. This lawsuit challenges the president's August 6th executive order issued under AIPA, but does not challenge that CFIUS order. So this, the CFIUS order, is not challenged. It's going to stand as, as it stands right now. And so ByteDance is looking to divest itself of TikTok, formerly Musical.ly, but they want to be able to do it without kind of the ambit of all of this problematic language on bans and transactions, which aren't otherwise terribly clear. The background and timing of the executive order plainly suggests that it was not designed for a bona fide national security reason, but instead to further the president's anti-China political campaign. The president's actions clearly reflect a political decision to campaign on an anti-China platform. That may well be the case, and they have a lot of paragraphs that suggest that it is but it doesn't actually speak to the question of whether there is or is not a national emergency. Uh, certainly there are a lot of areas in which a president can decide to focus or not focus, and the president is allowed to choose those areas based on what they think will help them get reelected. 
Now, you do have an interesting paragraph here, which suggests a little bit more nefarious purpose. And as we said, with respect to that Tulsa campaign rally, I think that TikTok at least presents a good image of the president is acting outside of what should be the authority granted by Congress, in which they say the president's reelection campaign has recently run online advertisements targeting TikTok, asking supporters to sign the petition now to ban TikTok. President Trump and his campaign's targeting of TikTok follows a recent political episode noted above involving TikTok in which TikTok users claim that they use the application to coordinate mass ticket reservations and inflate projected attendance for the president's campaign rally in Tulsa. Said another way, hey, look, the president is hurt by all of this and has now actually had campaign materials issued to say ban TikTok. And I tend to agree. It's a bad look. It is not something that a president should do. Uh, and I think that that helps strengthen their argument that this kind of stuff exists. Uh, but even then, the court is going to be really reluctant. Not every court. And maybe they filed it and they get a judge uh, that is either uh, specifically kind of down on Trump and the way that he operates the White House or is very much in favor of limiting executive order authority in general, looks at all this and says, yeah, you know, I can certainly see the, the complaint that TikTok is making that all of this is essentially fake. Uh, and so we'll issue at least a preliminary injunction, which would get TikTok over the finish line. They aren't fighting the CFIUS order. And so TikTok would sell to whoever wants to buy it. And whether that's Microsoft or Oracle or anybody else that we've heard in the news is potentially rumored to purchase this company and move forward from there. Then you have TikTok's arguments, as I said, about other individuals. The executive order is not rooted in a bona fide national security concern. Independent national security and information security experts have criticized the political nature of the executive order and expressed doubt as to whether its stated national security objective is genuine. And they give a bunch of quotes on that. Again, their primary problem is that a lot of individuals can disagree. As we say in this space all the time, reasonable minds can differ. Maybe you don't think the president is a reasonable mind. But in general, you can have individuals that have different opinions as to whether something like TikTok is a national security threat. And if those individuals have a disagreement, and if it's not completely specious and false and fraudulent, then the person that was elected president of the United States and the head of the executive branch, that's the deciding vote on what is or is not a national security threat. So yeah, if I'm in Congress, I say, well, maybe we shouldn't have these statutes that delegate quite so much authority to the executive to just do whatever they want on a whim. But... As it stands right now, we have so delegated, and so the executive is somebody that maybe we don't agree with if we're in Congress, but they have that power, and it's going to be very difficult to pry it out of their hands on something like this. Now, the first claim for relief, and we'll try to go over these quickly since we talked about these in overview, is that it violates the due process clause of the Fifth Amendment. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property. TikTok as a U.S. entity is unquestionably entitled to the protection of the due process clause, and ByteDance as a foreign entity that has substantial connections with and holds property in the United States is entitled to those protections as well. Absolutely correct. Both of those entities are entitled to due process. The question is, what does due process consist of? In the specific context of IEPA, due process requires that plaintiffs be informed of the reasons for the executive order so that they may have an adequate ability to respond in a meaningful way. The executive order puts the findings of fact from the government right at the top. In addition, as declared by TikTok in this lawsuit, they have been in constant contact with CFIUS, which is another arm of the executive branch. And so it's very difficult to see how they weren't afforded notice and opportunity and knowledge of what was being looked at. They even give the dates for when the review of their particular company started. So look, any court could say that due process wasn't met here. It looks to me like it's a very tough argument to make because they have been party to these government discussions the entire time. It didn't come out of nowhere. And then this 79th paragraph where they say, to date, plaintiffs have received no notice or opportunity to respond to the deprivation contemplated in the order, and the order provides for no such opportunity, doesn't really get you to a due process complaint. Now, in a perfect world, I would have a lot more sympathy to this kind of argument. I, the practice of law is, in some respects, the practice of constrained precedent view Right. If you go to law school, you'll find a whole bunch of stuff that you disagree with. If you're looking at various laws and you say, you know what, I think the court got that wrong. That's fair enough. I think that probably the TikToks of the world should have a little bit more due process from the government, especially if the government is going to take an action this draconian against them. But looking at what the status is, what they've already gotten with respect to communications from the government, I don't think it's a winning argument. And fortunately for them, I don't know that it needs to be. The executive order is ultra vires outside of the executive's power because it is not based on a bona fide emergency. They say it's not supported by the emergency declared a year earlier in 13873. 
TikTok is not a telecommunications provider and it does not provide the types of technology and services contemplated. Apart from the misplaced reliance on that executive order, the order also fails on its face to identify any actual threat. Now, there are a couple of problems here. Most predominantly, they are definitely a communications technology. And that's what this is aimed at. TikTok tries to slice this particular onion to say that this executive order only meant telecommunications infrastructure. And what this actually says is that where you store and communicate vast amounts of sensitive information, including videos from people, you're going to fall under communications technology and services. I don't think TikTok can even argue that they aren't a communications technology and service. Yeah, they're not a telecommunications provider, but that's not what the executive order says. So that argument I look at and I see it as a loser. You didn't present an actual threat that TikTok poses, and yet the president finds that you are presenting this threat gives the reasons for why that threat exists. Again, you're just going to have a big difficulty making this claim because IEPA gives so much broad discretion for the president to declare this national emergency in the first instance. If they find an unusual and extraordinary threat, they declare a national emergency, they get all these powers, including the power to prohibit transactions, which is what they did. So broadly, it flows from these statutes. The right argument is that the statute is bad. And yes, TikTok makes that argument, but that's an even harder one to win. Because President Trump issued the executive order targeting plaintiffs for political and strategic purposes, pertaining to his political campaign and not to deal with an unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security foreign policy or the economy of the United States, it's outside the statute. It's just an incredibly tough argument to make because even if the president thinks that he, whatever he has done here advantages his campaign, that isn't completely separate from whether or not what he's doing presents a national security threat, right? If TikTok presents a national security threat and say 15 other companies also present that national security threat and the president picks the one that has Chinese ties because he thinks that plays best with his base, that's broadly allowed under the law. The president is allowed to pick what he thinks he is going to get the most votes from doing. And in fact, as a representative democracy, that's basically what we want our politicians to do is the, the things that the most people in their jurisdiction are going to like. And he can be wrong on that. And other people can disagree with them and they can run for president and go get that authority and power to make their own decisions on those kinds of questions. But in general, until you can firmly establish that this is straight up lies, you've got a problem making this case to the court. The executive order is ultra virus because its prohibitions are broader than the purported unusual or extraordinary threat. Now, this one is a close one. And I actually like this as their strongest argument. The president made no findings as to ByteDance. We go back and we look at this particular executive order. We see this line. At this time, action must be taken to address the threat posed by one mobile application in particular, TikTok. TikTok is bad. TikTok is bad. These risks are real. Also, Everything related to ByteDance is prohibited. ByteDance, I don't think, even appears in the heading to this executive order. So I think this is a pretty good argument. Now, it's one that could be easily corrected. You know, if you had a paragraph here that said, because TikTok represents a significant portion of the profits of ByteDance and that ByteDance can take the information from TikTok and use it in other applications, we feel that it's necessary to strike all actions with respect to the parent company. I think you do need that paragraph and it could have been in here. But the fact that it isn't, does make this a stronger argument than otherwise. And I do think the court, if they were otherwise inclined to look for a reason to help TikTok out here, and they might be, because TikTok presents a pretty good unclean hands argument with respect to Trump and asking for money for treasury and things along those lines, then you could get into a situation where they say this, this particular claim is a decent one. And we might give you a temporary restraining order or a preliminary injunction that's long enough to get you across that finish line to actually sell the company, which is what you want to do anyway. Because the purported threat, even taken at face value, is limited to TikTok in particular, the order's ban on any transactions with ByteDance or its subsidiaries is plainly overbroad to the extent that it authorizes the Secretary of Commerce to prohibit transactions related to ByteDance more broadly. And I tend to agree. Continuing, the executive order is ultra-virus because it restricts personal communications and the transmission of information materials in violation of IEPA. The authority granted to the president under IEPA does not include the authority to regulate or prohibit directly or indirectly any postal, telegraphic, telephonic, or other personal communication which does not involve a transfer of anything of value. In fact, we can see that right here. Exceptions to grant of authority. You can't cover anything postal, telegraphic, or various import and export of things like phonograph records, photographs, things along those lines. Those both are accepted from this grant of authority. You're allowed to cover commerce, 
right? Because all of this is vested in the congressional ability to control interstate commerce. And if you're interested in how Congress got such broad authority, you can check out my video in this space on a court case called Wickard v. Filburn to see my complaints on that in general. But the president has to have some connection to commerce. These are the kinds of things that don't necessarily have that connection. But the problem with this TikTok argument is that the executive order itself doesn't purport to ban those things. The prohibition in subsection A of this section applies except to the extent provided by statutes, including this one right here, which has its exception. This is the right way to write this. There's not a stronger way to write this. They could, I suppose, have included the specific section references, but the actual executive order does not purport to limit these things. And so since it does not purport to limit those things, while you might have a lawsuit if the Secretary of Commerce comes out later and says that these things should be limited, you definitely don't have a lawsuit right now because the executive order was written properly for this particular issue. Then you have IEPA violates the non-delegation doctrine, the nuclear bomb of this lawsuit complaint. In enacting IEPA, Congress delegated legislative authority to the president, empowering the president to declare a national emergency and take action to deal with any unusual and extraordinary threat. The ambiguity and breadth of President Trump's executive order highlights that the president's ability to invoke a national emergency under IEPA is so open-ended that Congress has not supplied an intelligible principle to guide executive branch decision-making authority. Instead, Congress's passage of IEPA has in practice amounted to merely announcing vague aspirations and then assigning others the responsibility of adopting legislation to realize its goals. The lack of any intelligible principle to guide or constrain the president's action is manifest in the TikTok executive order, which purports to ban a U.S. company based in part on the content of the communications transmitted on its platform and without any bona fide national security basis. This overbroad authority, uh, overbroad exercise of authority confirms that the statute has become nothing more than the will of the current president. Look, I love this argument, okay? I would vote for this argument every day and twice on Sunday. It is an absolute stone cold loser. If you actually go and you look at the highlighted items here and you look at where these quotes are coming from, you will see a couple of phrases here. You will see that it's Justice Gorsuch and you will also see that it is dissenting every single time. Dissenting. Justice Gorsuch feels as I do on executive orders, that they are too broad and that Congress should not have given this authority and that they probably are a violation of the separation of powers in an important way. The rest of the Supreme Court does not feel that way. In particular, Chief Justice Roberts, which is totally okay with any executive order that you would care to name. So on this particular issue, I am very sympathetic, but it is a loser. And by citing Gorsuch and dissenting opinions, you're not ever going to win that the entire statute should be overturned on this concept basis, but you might be able to gum up the works enough if a particular judge or justice is willing to say, yeah, okay, we'll take that argument up again. Everybody pause everything. You can't ban those transactions for right now. And that's the goal of TikTok in all of this. The executive order violates the takings clause of the fifth amendment. Now the executive order doesn't, right? That headline is wrong. They're trying to attach this to Trump's statements where they say the takings clause provides that private property shall not be taken for public use. And the president has repeatedly made demands for a very substantial payment to the U.S. Treasury Department. There is no conceivable regulatory basis for that demand. So it's in violation of the Fifth Amendment. If it were to happen, I think it might be. Yeah, absolutely. It's the takings clause and the government has to pay you back for things that it takes from you. The executive order doesn't mention anything about this because in my personal opinion, President Trump was speaking off the cuff. And when he does, he tends to say silly things. But the executive order doesn't say anything like that. There has been no taking as of right now. It strikes me as unlikely that his White House or his White House counsel will let him impose any kind of uh, taking of that nature. They'll have this conversation with him and say, you know, we really can't do that and it would look bad anyway, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's unlikely to ever happen. If it did, this lawsuit would be good. Since it hasn't happened yet, it's not what we would call ripe for discussion. So the court is unlikely to hold anything on it uh, in general. Finally, we have the executive order violates the First Amendment right to free speech. As I said at the top, this is clever. This is fun. By preventing TikTok from operating in the United States, the executive order violates plaintiff's First Amendment rights in and to its code. And then they have a lot of citations about the expressiveness of computer code and the messaging that computer code can actually deliver. Uh, like music and mathematical equations, computer language is just that language, and it communicates information either to a computer or to those who can read it. Yes, broadly. Uh, but the problem here is that the ban on transactions with ByteDance and TikTok 
is not about the code. And there are references to content because of the reasons why it represents problems for national security, but it's not a restriction on content either. So you're not looking at a freedom of speech kind of concept. They're trying to drag in other constitutional issues so that the court can find anything to grab onto to give them the injunction that they will be seeking. But as they say here, the executive order facially burdens TikTok Inc. speech for both functional and content-based reasons. The order specifically justifies targeting TikTok based in part on the content of the videos hosted on TikTok, citing concerns about videos on politically sensitive topics and videos about the origins of the 2019 novel coronavirus. And I agree that that gets you close to where they want to be here, where they talk about potentially censors from the Chinese Communist Party, as well as disinformation campaigns. But the code itself, which is what this is based on, that's not the same as even the videos. So they try to get from the videos or content restricted in the executive order. And the executive order is designed to restrict TikTok from misinformation and things like speech. And the code is what gets the videos out. So the code is covered by the First Amendment. And I just frankly don't think it works. And it's too novel to work in such a complicated environment where you already have so many of those negative things looked at from the court side of things suggesting that they shouldn't interpose their own judgment for that of the executive. So when you get to their actual requested relief, which is essentially that the executive order from August 6th is unlawful, enjoining the White House from doing anything like the August 6th order and anything else that the court would want to do, I think you've got the potential, if you are TikTok, to potentially get a kind of temporary restraining order or a preliminary injunction or some other court methodology to prevent the U.S. government from enacting the restrictions on transactions for a period of time. Presumably, you're aimed at a period of time sufficient to get you out of here, to get your assets out of all of this stuff to comply with the CFIUS request that you aren't challenging. And I think you've got a shot at it. But any given argument that you've presented in your case, any given bullet point that you highlighted here in the overview is itself generally weak, except with respect to perhaps the fact that the executive order applies to all of ByteDance when it only actually gives findings of fact related to TikTok. And with that weakness, I don't think you're ever going to win a litigation on this at the end of the day, but I doubt very much that that was your intent when you filed this in the first place. So those are my thoughts on TikTok versus Trump. Please leave your own thoughts in the comments to this video. I love having this discussion with you. A number of people asked me to cover this topic while I was discussing Epic versus Apple versus Google with Microsoft involved somewhere in there and presumably every other tech giant by the time all that is done. If you're interested in that, Lord knows we have enough videos on that subject in this space as well. In general, if you like this kind of content, like, subscribe, share, ring bells, tell people that we are here. We are talking about business and legal issues through the spectrum, the prism of pop culture, music, movies, television, social media, and everything else that you are otherwise reading news about, hopefully to help illuminate and educate and inform as to why you are seeing things happen in the news that you, the way that you are seeing them. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.